0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Morning, everybody. How are you? So good to see you. Today we are continuing our series. I want to put this in my back pocket. Is it going to make a lot of noise? So I'm casual and approachable. Um, So, uh, we are continuing our series called Under God, where we are spending four weeks talking about politics, which, as you know, is my very, very favorite thing uh, to do, Um, and I'll just remind you, after today's service, how much you guys liked my first two weeks, Um, so... Yeah, and if you missed either of those, we they are on our website um, or our pod you uh, the podcast player of choice. I use Pocket Casts. Amber uses whatever Apple comes with. I don't know, but you can listen to us there, and you can also listen to the Nichols messages uh, on the website or on uh, podcast player. Uh, so last week we started going through the eight principles of Christian political engagement that are found on the. Uh, National Association of Evangelicals website um and the NAE uh, as we mentioned last week is an organization that is was founded in 1942 which represents evangelical Christians in the United States and represents over 45,000 local churches from 40 different uh denominations and while we're not exactly uh Members of the NAE, they are a, a broadly evangelical uh, organization, and we find ourselves in alignment with most of the things that that are on there. And so it's a really helpful website, a lot of helpful articles on there if you want more information. And when I'm talking about evangelicals, I'm kind of using this, again, a very broad understanding of evangelicals. We believe that the Bible is the, the inerrant word of God. We believe that the the cross is the the center of our faith, we believe in um, action, we believe we are called to, to serve, and we believe that we are uh, called to uh, make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So that's what I mean when I say evangelical. And these eight principles that we find on, the, on their website can be really, really helpful for us as we pray for our country, as we pray for our world, and as we vote for the candidates that we believe will most fulfill these principles. And as I said last week, no candidate, and no party is going to perfectly encapsulate these principles. Um, And where the parties do agree on on these things, they have vastly different opinions about the best way to accomplish these things. So I'm not actually here to tell you vote for this side or this side. I'm just laying out some principles that as Christ followers are valuable to us that we, we need to think about as we enter into the voting booth. And so last week we talked about three, uh, principles protecting religious freedom and the liberty of conscience. We talked about safeguarding the nature and sanctity of human life. And we talked about strengthening marriages and families. And, and I, I had a good time, got some good feedback about that, and so encourage you to listen to that if you missed it. Uh, and this week we're talking about two issues, c- talking about seeking justice and compassion for the poor and the vulnerable, and we're talking about the principle of preserving human rights. And I was going to try to do three today, but it got a little bit unwieldy, so we pulled it back to two. And next week, we'll do three more, pursuing racial justice and reconciliation, promoting just peace and restraining violence, and caring for God's creation. So that's a little teaser to get you excited about coming back next week. All right, racial justice, sweet. Um, And so our political engagement, as we said last week, is not just a, a vote, but we want to practice our Christian faith. Within our spheres of influence. And so that means that we pray, that we vote, and we participate in our communities. First Timothy two, one to two, Paul urges, or he Paul says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. We want to be people that are are praying. We want to be seeking God. We saw in James when we were talking through James a few a couple months ago, I guess now, right? That He gives wisdom to those who seek it and. We've admitted, right, this is a crazy time. There's a bunch of information out there in, in this day and age. And sometimes it's difficult to, to wade through it all. And so we need to ask the Lord for wisdom to, to show us what His will and what His ways are in the midst of this craziness. So let's be people of prayer. Let's be interceding. And uh, Paul continues, says, let's be people of prayer, praying for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And this is important and we don't have a king, right? We do have a president, we and the senators and all these governors and all these things and we do have people in authority But in in the United States, right, we actually are in control because we get to vote them in. So we should be praying for ourselves that we make wise decisions, right, as we the people put these people in these places and we should be able to take them out if we want to, right? That's what we do. So pray for the leaders, pray for us as a, what? Oh, yeah, don't take them out. Oh, gosh, yeah, don't do that. That's, oh my gosh, absolutely not, I, uh, yeah, especially after this last, whew, we, is that what I said, we'll edit that, oh my goodness, don't take them out, take them out of office, we vote, that's it, there's no, no military coups, nothing, none of that, we don't want that, holy cats, and we do it here, so we can live peaceful and quiet lives, Peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, right? right? Wow, that threw me off for a minute. Okay. It was clear that that's not what I meant. I did not mean, I'm not instigating any revolts in this, in this state or in the country, just voting. Okay, moving on. So, as we live out these, these principles and this calling to be salt and light in our world, we want to, to reveal the, the kingdom of God. And so practicing these principles, praying for those who uh, are in alignment with these, uh, you know, praying for them, voting, and then participating. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we look at these principles today. So the first one I'm going to look at. Holy cow. <laughs> I just wanted I could do over. I'm going to do over. Okay, we're good. We're good. Whoosh. <laughs> I didn't pray before I started preaching. That's what my problem was. Lord Jesus, we need you so bad. Okay, so first, we want to talk today about seeking justice and compassion for the poor and the vulnerable. And if we read through the the Word of God, the the Bible, we'll find that there are over 2,000 references to the the poor. Uh, And so God clearly... Uh, has a very clear concern for the poor and, and the vulnerable in, in the earth. And we, we see that Jesus summed up God's law by commanding us to, to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's in Matthew 22. And like I said last week, Jesus taught that anyone who is in need is our neighbor, right? And so friend, enemy, stranger, these are all our neighbors. And, and God created all people in his image. And because they carry the, the dignity of the, the image of God, all people, rich and poor alike, uh, pos- they all possess that dignity and they all, uh, we should be sharing our resources with everybody especially with those in need okay this is a particularly christian way to live and so i want to look at a couple of verses and like i said there's like over two thousand so i just picked a few um proverbs 31 8 and 9 says speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute speak up and judge fairly Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Proverbs 22.22-23 22, 22 Do not exploit the poor because they are poor and do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. All right, and that is a... It's an important one, right? We want to be careful not to exploit the poor because guess what happens when we do? The Lord takes up their case, right? And we don't want to be on the wrong side of the Lord taking up somebody's case. Okay, Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And finally one more passage Isaiah 10:1-3 says woe to those who make unjust laws to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless what will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar to whom will you run for help where will you leave your riches And so all of these passages speak to the value of poor and the needy and uh, the importance of us as Christ followers or those in God's kingdom to speak up and to, to, to care for those people. And so according to these passages, who is it that is in need of justice and compassion? Well, it's those who can't speak for themselves. It's the, the the destitute, which means those who have nothing. Right? These are people without the basic necessities of life, uh, the, the 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 poor and the needy, the oppressed, the fatherless, and the widow. Right? These people demand our compassion as we follow the Lord. And who is it that should speak up for these people? It's those who are in positions of power and influence. Those who judge, so the courts and and the the legal system should look out for the poor and the needy. Those who make laws, right? The the rich, right? Again, power and influence. And those who have a voice should speak up for those who don't have a voice. This is what we are called to do as Christ followers. And I'm going to read a a lengthy passage from Matthew's Gospel here uh, that many of us are going to be familiar with. And we're going to hear what Jesus has to say about caring for the needy. We looked at a bunch of Old Testament passages, but what does Jesus say? He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We're going to get to the second half of this passage. But as we, as we look at this verse, as maybe as Christ followers, we, we're familiar with it. We think about this and we are so grateful that we are the sheep, right? We're so grateful that we are on the right. Right that we uh, uh, are the, the people that, that God invites into His kingdom. But as we look at this this text, who is it that's on the right? And who are the sheep? The righteous? Yes, the, the spiritually upright? Yes, absolutely but this is what they look like. Those who are the sheep, those who are on the right, that are welcomed into God's kingdom are those who feed the hungry, those who give drink to the thirsty, those who welcome the stranger, those who clothe the needy, those who care for the sick, and those who visit prisoners. He doesn't mention my outstanding church attendance. He doesn't mention my incredible reading through the the Bible in a year plan. I'm not, it's not that great, but I'm hacking away at it, right? He's, uh, he's not, he doesn't mention our, our prayer lives or how much we fasted or how much we, uh, tithed or whatever, like, and all those things are incredibly important, and as we participate in those, right, we're often, uh, coming into alignment with these things, but Jesus, in this passage, doesn't mention a single one of them. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, As I was studying this passage, it felt like a punch in the gut. Because of of course I'm a sheep. I went to seminary. I'm like super sheep. I'm just kidding. Right? Right. You know, but, you know, and so, you know, of course we all assume we're on the right, but everybody in this passage thinks they're on the right. Which is scary. But am I actually doing the things that the righteous are doing in this passage? And Jesus will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not Look after me. And those on the left are going to answer, But Lord, when did we see you hungry or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's a scary passage. Something that we have to take seriously. And it's easy for us to kind of like, we're just gonna spiritualize this away, right? You know, and, and absolutely, you know, those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus are saved. I, I completely believe this. I'm not preaching a, a works righteousness here. But Jesus is calling us to respond out of our faith in him which saves us. In, in, to respond in a way that cares for the needy and the vulnerable. And the the word translated the righteous here is this Greek word that we talked about a few weeks ago, dikaioi, dikaioi the righteous ones. And we talked about how dikaiosune, the, I don't know, the, verb or the noun of this word, whatever it is, means righteousness and justice. Throughout the text of the New Testament, it's translated righteousness. And it kind of gets us to think that our righteousness is just merely my relationship with with God. And that's super important. But our righteousness includes our justice. Right? And so righteousness is right relationship with God. Justice is right relationship with others. And these are... Uh, you can't separate them. And so as we run after Jesus, we're going to run after people. And as we love people, we're loving Jesus. Thank you, Luke. Jesus said that those who do not care for the needy and the imprisoned reveal that they are not his followers. This is a quote from the NAE website. It says, "...the vulnerable include not only the poor, but those with less power, such as women, children, the aged, persons with disabilities, immigrants, refugees, minorities, the persecuted, prisoners, and victims of human trafficking." These are the poor and the vulnerable in our country and in our world that need our attention and I would encourage each and every one of us this week to to read Isaiah 58 verses 3 through 12. I don't have time uh, to to read this passage today, but read Isaiah 58 3 to 12. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah calls for the people of God to create and order societies in which justice, freedom. Food, shelter, and clothes are available for all people. Societies that don't allow one group of people to oppress another, whether that be rich over poor, or white over black, or men over women. These are the kinds of societies that we are called to create. And which candidate or party best exemplifies this desire to seek justice and compassion for the poor and vulnerable? I'm going to let you guys decide that. Because I recognize that different sides have vastly different opinions, right, about how to best do this, right? Vastly different opinions. But what we need to seek after and pray after and work for is bipartisan efforts to, to seek the welfare of all people. And so we pray and we vote and we can participate in seeking justice and compassion in a number of ways. One simple way would be uh, just to designate money to the alms fund here at, at New Day. And we use this money throughout the year for those inside the church and those outside the church uh, that reach out to us with with needs, right? We're just happy to do that. We have a fund set aside to help people that are in need. If you're in need, you can reach out to me. Or if you know somebody in need, reach out. That's great. Uh, We can also advocate and pray for those who are struggling in our communities, right? We're a half a mile away. We're sitting a half mile away from the the village of Vandalia and there are people in our village that are struggling that are poor and and could use a helping hand third we can pray that the lord will will guide us and show us how God, how do we respond to these people right around us that are in need. How do I, you know, feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty and 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 have compassion on those who need compassion? How do I live this out, Jesus? Right? It's not enough just to come and sing our little songs and put a check in the in the offering box and go home, right? How do I live this out right now? He'll show you. You can support local free stores and food pantries. You can volunteer at the the, the gospel mission in Kalamazoo, uh, the Dream Center or other organizations uh, that are caring for the poor in our communities. All right, good. That was a fun one. Now, uh, the next principle that we want to look at is the importance of preserving human rights. Uh, because God created males and females in his image, we are all given rights and responsibilities. And so, if we want to carry out those rights and responsibilities, we all need life, liberty, justice, and security. Right? In our country, all people want need, or they need life, liberty, justice, and security. Even when people choose paths contrary to biblical teaching, they retain their God-given dignity. And because of that, All people need to be protected from sexual harassment and violence, regardless of their gender, their race, their age, their sexual orientation, or their socioeconomic standing, right? We've talked about that for for weeks now, right? All people deserve these rights. Because God, right, He sends His his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He lets His sun shine on the the just and the unjust. Right? And we want to be children of God. And so, what does the Bible say about protecting human rights? Well, a lot. Deuteronomy 1 16 and 17 says, And I charged your judges at that time, hear the disputes between your people and judge fairly. Whether the case is between two Israelites or between an Israelite and a foreigner residing among you. Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. There was a, a, a tendency in Israel that these folks were like, we are the people of God right? And we are the center of of the universe, right? And so they kind of got this big head and they kind of looked down at all of these other people. But man, the call of Abraham back in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 was a call that as you are blessed, you're going to be a blessing to all people, right? And we, yeah, I won't get too deep into that. So, it, and so, uh, Moses calls the people, he says, I charge you, you know, when you're judging, judge fairly, whether that's between two Israelites or an Israelite and a foreigner, right? That, that foreigner isn't a second-class citizen, right? Judge fairly between them. They have rights. Deuteronomy 24, 19. This is at the end of this book. When you are harvesting in your field and overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Right? And this is probably a relatively familiar verse to, to many of us as we read through the, the Old Testament law and how it was set up to, to protect those who were in need and, and vulnerable. It said, you know, don't collect the the harvest that's on the edge of the fields, leave that for the poor and the, the destitute, those who are struggling. Psalm 82.3, Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Leviticus 19.33-34, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. And a passage from the New Testament. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when Jesus was saying that, he was not just using this as a spiritual metaphor, though that is included here. right? He was talking about bringing good news to poor people, proclaiming freedom to people who are actually prisoners. Does this include spiritually Spiritual prisoners bound in the kingdom of darkness? Absolutely, but it is not just relegated to that realm. And so the Bible teaches us to be particularly concerned for the plight of refugees. Those who have been forced to flee their countries due to oppression, violence, and persecution. Now, you're not going to find the term refugee in in the Bible, uh, but the Word of of God has a lot to to say about people called strangers and sojourners and foreigners. And so, strangers and foreigners refers to anyone who is from another ethnic group but uh, but had chosen to live with the Jews in Israel. And so, a a pretty famous uh, instance of this is the book of Ruth. Uh, it's about a widow from the tribe of Moab who chooses to accompany her mother-in-law Naomi back to Israel and live there with her. And in Ruth 2.10, we see her ask Boaz, in whose field she is gleaning. All right, 20, Deuteronomy 24.19, she was gleaning in the field. Uh, why? And she asks Boaz, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And we've read that probably a thousand times. I don't know. We're familiar with this story. And we kind of blow past this this word foreigner. Because when we think of Ruth, right, she's in the lineage of Jesus, right? She's in the family tree. She's an insider, right? But when she said this, when she was gleaning in Boaz's uh, field, right, she was not an insider. She was an outsider, she was a foreigner. She was looked down upon. Her, her mother-in-law actually warned her, like, be careful when you go out there. This is not a safe place for foreigners and women. And yet Boaz has, has compassion on her and we see the story of God bring the foreigner in. Not just in, but into the family line of Jesus. Come on. So, So there's a lot of talk about foreigners and and strangers in the Bible. And and today, we would use different terms. Um, And so I just want to go through a couple of these. This is through um, from the worldvision.org website. And so who are today's foreigners? They are displaced persons. Those who have been forced to leave their homes or community due to violent conflict, war, or a natural disaster. These people temporarily live in another community uh, in their country and usually return home when things improve. Displaced persons. Refugees. People who have been forced to leave their nation due to violent conflict or war. These people want to return to their country once the war or conflict is over. These situations often lead to years of displacement. Migrants. Those who have chosen to leave their home country, mainly to escape poverty. These people are making a permanent move and would not return unless conditions improved significantly. Immigrants, very similar to migrants. Someone who moves to another country for any number of reasons, including marriage or other family ties, employment or business opportunities. Some distinguish between immigrants with legal papers to enter a country and those without legal permission. But this was not a consideration in the Bible. Asylum seekers, individuals who asked to live in another country or escape, uh, in order to escape severe religious or political persecution or another violation of their human rights. These people would not return home unless the reason for their move came to an end. And as we, we read those definitions, we have to be reminded of Joseph and Mary and Jesus who were uh, refugees and asylum seekers in Egypt when Herod was going around killing children of two years, two years old and younger to, to get rid of some you know, prophesied upstart who might challenge his position. And there are principles in the Word of God for how we treat these people. How do we treat displaced persons and refugees and migrants and immigrants and asylum seekers? Exodus 23.9 says, Don't oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. All right, Israel was supposed to have compassion and empathy for refugees because they had been treated cruelly when they were slaves and foreigners in Egypt. Jesus says in Matthew 25, and we read the whole passage a minute ago, he says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. All right, so how we treat strangers as an important part of our discipleship. As Christians, we recognize that we were once outsiders, we were foreigners, we were stuck in the the kingdom of, of darkness, but we, because of Jesus Christ, have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of God's Son. And so because we were welcomed in when we were outsiders, we welcome outsiders. I recognize, I super recognize that this is a complicated and a divisive issue. I recognize that people have vastly different opinions about how our nation should accommodate refugees, migrants, immigrants, and asylum seekers. But what we cannot do as Christ followers is ignore them and just ask them to fend for themselves. It's just, we just can't. And like I said last week, I don't think I mentioned this in the intro. Is different folks are going to rate these eight principles in, in different ways, right? We it just, it's, but we can't just ignore one because we don't like it or it doesn't fit in our political system or our political party, right? We, and so when we vote for somebody, we're going there some parties are going to highlight some parts and not highlight the others right and so we're going to vote for something but it doesn't mean that we're going to ignore these other things right we're still going to do the the work to to care for people but as we come to a a voting season we want to have wisdom and go god how are you calling me to to use my vote what principle uh, is is what principle how should i rate these principles And this is an important one, because there's a lot that the Bible says about it. Um, But human rights also extends to those who are accused of crimes, people in prison and those who have a criminal record. The United States locks up more of its citizens, particularly racial minorities, than most other nations. This has devastating and long-lasting consequences for individuals, families, and societies at large. Uh, It's a quote from a Christianity Today article. America locks up more of its citizens than any other nation, and according to the Pew Charitable Trusts, all states have become more punitive. Even though overall crime and arrest rates are down from the early 1990s, States are exacting sentences at a rate 165% harsher than they were for the same crimes previously. Prosecutors now seek felony charges after an arrest much more frequently than they did even a decade ago. The effects of such broken justice? 2.7 million children have an incarcerated parent, including one in nine African-American children. An estimated one in four Americans has a criminal record which creates obstacles to finding housing, jobs, and other necessities. We want a nation in a, a justice system that is fair and redemptive for all people. And again, I recognize that this is a really, really complicated problem and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? I'm just trying to, to wrestle with what the biblical text says and, and try to figure out how I'm supposed to live that out in my own life. And we see that different people have different opinions about how this principle needs to be carried out and what plans and programs and restrictions are most helpful. But what we can do is we can pray and we can, we can vote. Uh, and we can participate. Right, we can volunteer with a prison ministry, with prison fellowship. I know there's a group of folks from our church who uh, did the angel tree uh, last year for Christmas, sending you know gifts to to children of of incarcerated with incarcerated parents. Or you could join Crossroads Prison Ministry. This is a ministry out of Grand Rapids where. Uh, Aaron Mueller, who used to be a member of New Day Community Church, and they send letters and do correspondence Bible study with with inmates, right? And they're having phenomenal success, right? There's ways that we can do what Jesus said to care for the prisoner. You, if you want to get in, involved uh, with the uh, with the immigration issue, you could. Peru is the Evangelical Immigration Table website. It is a national movement of Christians committed to learning more about what the Bible says about welcoming the stranger and living out these biblical principles in our churches, our communities, and our nation. So so let's pray. Guys, let's pray that we can work together as a nation and as a community of people to to value the rights of, of all people, not just cling to our own rights at the expense of those who we consider other. And so, this was a fun one, huh? And so next week we are going to continue this series. We're going to look at the last three principles. I feel like two was weighty enough for today. Good times. Um, And like we said last week, we have an incredible opportunity and an obligation to seek the Lord for wisdom about this stuff. He promises, like we said, that if we ask for wisdom, he's faithful to give it to us. And in this divisive and tumultuous time, we must seek first the kingdom. We must pray for truth. We must love people on both sides. We need to walk in humility and remember that no matter what happens in this election, Jesus is still on the throne, right? He is coming back and his kingdom is actually not brought about by political power or influence or military might, but it is brought about by people who are nothing from a worldly perspective living the way of Jesus and ushering in the kingdom through our own self-sacrificial love and humility. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord, for some of us, me especially, this feels like a, a heavy message. Or we feel like, well, who am I? What, are, what, what am I supposed to do? How do I respond to these? Like, oh, I, I want to be a sheep. I want to be one of the righteous. Lord, would you help me? And Lord, I pray right now that you would just pour your grace out upon each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you that, uh, that, that you are loving and gracious and compassionate. Lord, that you have chosen us, you have called us your sons and daughters. And Lord, we gratefully receive that. We look forward to your return and the the restoration of your kingdom in all of its fullness. But Lord, in this in-between time, Lord, help us to walk out your call to care for people to love people, and to show compassion for all people. Lord, we pray for wisdom. Wisdom as we vote. Lord, we pray for grace for for our relationships, for those who don't see things the exact same way that we do. Lord, help us to just show the the world a, a different way to do things to love in the midst of disagreement, to run after unity in in a world and in a culture that wants to pull us apart. And Lord, let us bring you glory in everything we say and everything we do. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, if you have questions or comments... Cameron at New Day Community, Mark, Mark at NewdayCommunity.org. I'm happy to, to talk with you guys about anything. Uh, with that, you guys are dismissed. On my left is the, the prayer t-